Radio Parfait. See, we had a discussion about I won't, I won't try to force you to go record whenever I want to, and I leave it up to you, and now we're doing it at quarter after nine on a Wednesday night. One day late. Okay. Do you, do you have anything for tonight, or is it on, on me? No, well, I finally got some books in. Yay. Did my dog's sweater come in with your books? Because you didn't tell me. His cardigan came in in a different shipment. But it came in? Yes. It's on the bed. I didn't really look at the stuff on the bed. Oh. I I got changed after work and I came back into the front room. I didn't... Oh, I had it laying out on the bed. I will look at it. It won't... He won't need it for a little while. It's supposed to Because it warmed back up. Yeah. It's adorable. I'm sure it is. We will post pictures on the web... On the... uh, On the Twitter and Instagram so everybody can see how... Cutie is Cutie in it. And, and whenever his new collar comes in, everybody can see that too. It's it's adorable. Okay, well, talk, talk about what books you got real quick. Okay, um, so last week I said that we were waiting for Bewitched to come out on paperback for Dorinda Jones. Mm-hmm. It finally came out on paperback a few days ago. The day it came out on paperback, I ordered it, got it in the mail the next day. Yay. Um. And then I pre-ordered The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Got that. It was supposed to come in yesterday, and it did. But I was out of town getting a COVID test for a procedure I'm having done tomorrow. It's a sleep study. They called it a... Yeah, I know it. She's going in for a sleep study. Literally, you are going to go sleep. I won't sleep. I know I won't. A non-invasive procedure is what they called it. But I had to get tested beforehand and it came back negative. Yeah. But it was a real one this time with the the fucking pipe cleaner at the end of it. Yeah, where they stabbed the back of your sinus cavity. Yeah, Yeah. it fucking burned like Mm -hmm. shit. That's what you said. Um, With two teenage boys at home. And... I don't know whether or not to be proud or disappointed that neither one of them heard the knocking on the door and neither one of them heard the dog barking at the person knocking on the door when one was sitting in the kitchen and one was upstairs. And I, I mean, I've taught them not to open the door for anybody yeah. when I'm not home. So I'm proud of them for doing that. But the fact that they both denied hearing anybody knocking and both denied hearing the dog barking concerns me. Yeah, I think I think they're just trying to cover their asses for not answering the door for a package that we had coming. But so today I did not go anywhere until I saw the UPS truck and had to sign for it, which I've never had to sign for a book before. Yeah, that's weird. I, I wonder know. if it's because it was a pre-order. It's a possibility, but that's weird. I've never... But that's what I wanted to bring up, Blake. Has anybody else had to sign for a pre-order when they've ordered a book? 
Because to me, that's weird. I don't know. Uh, tweet us at Open an Effing Book and, and tell us if you've ever had to sign for a pre-ordered book before. Well, the UPS lady said that she's had people had to sign for toilet paper before. So I, I have no idea. Maybe it's just you have, depending on who it's getting sent by. I don't know. But I also pre-ordered another book that won't be here till tomorrow. And that is The Trials of Apollo, The Tower of Nero by Rick Raren. And I am so excited for that one. And it better be here before I have to go to that sleep study because I am taking that one with me. You need to sleep while you're there, not take books that will keep you up all night. The whole purpose of it is to watch you sleep. I have to be there from 730. Well, I have to be there 15 minutes before 730 to fill out paperwork and all that bullshit. But the fact that I have to be there from 7.30 until it's my bedtime or until I take my night meds and get sleepy, what the fuck else am I going to do? I'm going to read. I'm going to play on my phone. I'm going to watch TV on my laptop. I think you're going to overpack for things that you're you're going to, well, I need this and this and this, and you're not going to use half of what you take. No, because I'm probably going to be reading Tower of Nero if it arrives in time. Because I've been waiting for that one for a fucking year. Yeah, while I was looking up books, they had that in the kids' section. (laughs) I don't give a shit. I started reading those books when I was a kid, and I love Greek mythology, so eh, I don't give a fuck. Okay. Let's get to a couple stories real quick and then do our books and get the fuck out of here. So, Arthur Conan Doyle's estate sues Netflix... For giving Sherlock Holmes too many feelings. <laughs> yeah, because Sherlock's not supposed to have any feelings. The estate of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has sued Netflix over its film Enola Holmes, the new... I guess it's the... She's the sister of Sherlock. I haven't seen it, but I know it, it has... Yeah, she's the sister. It has... Um, uh, What's-her-face from Stranger Things in it. Yes. Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. Uh, They're arguing that the movie's depiction of the public domain character, Sherlock Holmes, having emotion and respecting women violates Doyle's copyright. Doyle's copyright, I'm sorry. Because, no. The Doyle estate made a similar, similar argument five years ago in a lawsuit against Miramax for its film Mr. Holmes, among other things, it claims Mr. Holmes included plot details about Holmes' retirement, which only happened in the final stories, but his new argument is a lot more abstract. Basically, if this movie wants Sherlock Holmes to express emotions, its creators need to pay up. The complaint alleges that in the public domain stories, Holmes is famously aloof and unemotional. Then, that changed because of his creator's life experiences. So the estate now says Springer and Netflix are basing Enola Holmes on the personality that's still protected. And the new personality's key trait traits include relating to other people and reacting with warmth and emotion. So, pretty much, the Sherlock Holmes stories that are in the public domain came out when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a misogynistic douchebag. And the stories that they're pretty much depicting now, the way they depict Holmes, is, comes from the stories that 
aren't in the public domain yet, when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wasn't as much of a misogynistic douchebag. Yeah, this is the wrong year (laughs) to take this to court. And at any point in time, it's public domain. You're making a movie about Sherlock Holmes. You could say, okay, well, I wasn't basing the feelings and, and the warmth and emotion off of later Sherlock Holmes. I was doing my own twist on a character that's in the public domain. I don't owe you shit. That's what I would say. But I guess we'll find out what Netflix does about it. But I've never heard of people getting mad because they gave a character too many feelings. That's a weird one. And if Because that... he has feelings towards a female. Well, which... because he's... he's... Yeah, I guess. I guess. And that female is his sibling. I, I suppose, yes. I, I don't, it's weird. It, it's weird. That That's a weird thing to go to court over. And honestly, I think it's just because they saw a loophole and they want to get money from Netflix for it. I'm sure that's what it is. But still, that's a weird thing to go to court for. Absolutely. But if you want more of an uplifting story, uh, if that one kind of makes you think... Just fucking people. James Patterson donates $2.5 million to teachers during COVID-19. So in an effort to assist teachers and students during the coronavirus crisis, best-selling author James Patterson is doting, donating $2.5 million through his Patterson Partnership Program with Scholastic Book Clubs as part of an initiative 5,000 teachers throughout the U.S. will receive grants of $500 and 500 Scholastic Book Club bonus points to help create classrooms and at-home libraries for students. Sweet. So, if the estate of a long-dead author suing Netflix because their character has too many feelings brings you down, at least we have people like James Patterson giving money to teachers. So. Still doesn't quite even out. Nah, I mean, them suing Netflix doesn't really affect us any. Netflix has more than enough money to pay off whatever. I think they're good. So, I'm not too worried about it. No, because it, it's still kind of like a woman's right issue. Uh, they see it as a public domain issue. You're taking stories from that aren't in the public domain and using them like they are in the public domain. But again, you could just say, oh, well, we just put our own twist on the character. But whatever. So our fiction story today is Missionaries, a novel by Phil Clay. In the modern world, everything is connected, including how we kill. A group of Colombian soldiers prepares to raid a drug lord's safe house on the Venezuelan border. They're watching him with an American-made drone about to strike using military tactics taught to them by U.S. soldiers who hone their skills to lethal perfection in Iraq. In his debut novel, Missionaries, National Book Award-winning author and Iraq War veteran Phil Clay examines the globalization of violence through the interlocking stories of four characters and the conflicts that define their lives. For Mason, a U.S. Army Special Forces medic, and Lizette, a foreign correspondent, America's long post-9-11 war in the Middle East exerts a terrible draw that neither is able to shake. 
Where can such a person go next? All roads lead to Colombia, where the U.S. has partnered with local government to keep predatory narco gangs at bay. Mason, now a liaison to the Colombian military, is ready for the good war, and Lizette is more than ready to cover it. Juan Pablo, a Colombian officer, must juggle managing the Americans' presence and navigating a viper's nest of factions bidding for power. Meanwhile, Abel, a lieutenant in the local militia, has lost almost everything in the seemingly endless carnage of his home province, where the lines between drug cartels, militias, and the state are semi-permeable. Drawing on six years of research in America and Colombia into the effects of modern way of war on regular people, Clay has written a novel of extraordinary suspense infused with geopolitical sophistication and storytelling instincts that are second to none. Missionaries is a window not only into the modern war, but into the individual lives that go on long after the drones have left the skies. From Penguin Publishing Group, came out on the 6th, go figure, <laughs> 416 pages. I know you're not into the whole war thing. Yeah. It's not your thing. I like that type of stuff, but I know you're not. Is it missionary or mercenaries? Missionaries. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I know that's not something that you're big on, but I thought it looked neat. I mean, I've read some more books before. It's just, it's not my niche. I know. But he's he, he served in the military, and he did all this research, and he's a newer writer, and I wanted to uh, give him some time on here, and maybe some of our listeners who are into that type of stuff will go check him out. I will have all his stuff in the show notes, and... People can try and get a hold of them. Definitely. I, I know a lot of people that like to read about war and putting a fiction spin on it will yeah. definitely make it neat. Now, my nonfiction, I'm not going to do the whole Trump thing this time. And it's not a cookbook. I almost went with a cookbook, but it's not a cookbook. It's his very best Jimmy Carter, A Life, by Jonathan Alter. From one of America's most respected journalists and modern historian comes the first full-length biography of Jimmy Carter, the 39th President of the United States, and Nobel Prize-winning humanitarian, probably one of the greatest human beings alive today, in my opinion. Jonathan Alter tells the epic story of an enigmatic man of faith and his improbable journey from barefoot boy to global icon. Alter paints an intimate and surprising portrait of the only president since Thomas Jefferson who can fairly be called a renaissance man, a complex figure, you know, without all that having kids with slaves thing. Going, <laughs> you know. Ridiculed and later revered with a piercing intellect, prickly intensity, and a biting wit beneath the patient smile, here is a moral exemplar for our times a flawed but underrated president of decency and vision who is committed to telling the truth to the American people. Growing up in one of the meanest counties in the Jim Crow South, Carter is the only American president who essentially lived in three centuries. His early life on the farm in the 1920s without electricity or running water might as well have been in the 19th. His presidency put him at the center of major events in the 20th, and his efforts on conflict resolution and global health set him on the cutting edge of challenges in the 21st. 
Drawing on fresh archival material and five years of extensive access to Carter and his family, Alter traces how he evolved from a timid, bookish child, raised mostly by a black woman farmhand, into an ambitious naval nuclear engineer writing passionate, never-before-published love letters from, from sea to his wife and full partner, Rosalind, a peanut farmer and a civic leader whose guilt over staying silent during the civil rights movements and not confronting the white terrorism around him helped power his quest for racial justice at home and abroad. An obscure, born-again governor whose brilliant 1976 campaign demolished the racist wing of the Democratic Party and took him from 0% to the presidency. A stubborn outsider who failed politically amid the bad economy of the 1970s and the seizure of American hostages in Iran, but succeeded in engineering peace between Israel and Egypt, amassing a historic environmental record, moving the government from tokenism to diversity, setting a new global standard for human rights, and normalizing relations with China, among other unheralded and far-sighted achievements. After leaving office, Carter eradicated disease, built houses for the poor, taught Sunday school into his mid-90s. This engrossing, monumental biography will change our understanding of perhaps the most understood president in American history. From Simon & Schuster, it actually came out last month. I was going to talk about it last week, but I, you know, Golden Girls Cookbook. Uh, 800 pages. So a big, thick, thick biography. They definitely don't make presidents like they used to. No, and this man, he's still in his 90s. He's still out there. Was he, he, it was not too long ago he fell, hurt himself, and then went to the hospital, got patched up, and then went back out and kept building houses. The man builds houses for the poor. He, he, he became president, and he gave up his be- beloved peanut farm and all of his interest in it because he didn't want it to be a conflict of interest for his presidency. Yeah, no, we don't have presidents like that anymore. Well, we haven't for the last, you know, almost four years anymore. Hopefully that ends in a month. Well, it won't end until January. We'll know, but we'll know. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Ladies, you know that man in your life with the big, beautiful beard? Or the one trying to grow a beard, even if it's just a little stubble? Well, what you might not know is that the skin underneath all that face fur can get dried out and super itchy, causing scratching that leads to flaking, and if there's anything worse than head dandruff, it's beard dandruff. That's why we've teamed up with TheBeardStruggle.com. They know what goes into having a big, glorious beard, hence the name. And they've created some of the best products in the market to help the man in your life tame those majestic chin locks and soothe the skin underneath. Be it the day and night oils, which keep the beard soft and the skin moisturized, and they smell great, by the way. Or the beard straightener that calms those extra curly face hairs and makes that beard look fuller and healthier. Kevin uses these products, and his beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better. And I I really enjoy playing with his beard now. Thebeardstruggle.com uses 100% all-natural ingredients. They never test on animals and have a 90-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on the link in the show notes. And don't forget to use our exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, for 15% off at checkout. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now!
for our kids' book. There's a couple I could go with, but I decided to go Attack of the Underwear Dragon <laughs> by Scott Rothman, illustrated by Peter Oswald. Brave knights, fire-breathing dragons, and underwear. Every kid's favorite thing in one book, illustrated by number one New York Times bestselling artist, Pete Oswald. Yeah, because the kid's favorite thing is underwear. Hey, Captain Underpants is huge. Yeah, but half the time, my son doesn't like to wear underwear. No, but there's stories with underwear in them. And anytime you add underwear to a story, kids think it's better. Cole's wish comes true when he becomes an assistant knight to Sir Percival, his favorite knight of King Arthur's Round Table. Cole learns how to ride a horse, swing a sword, cheer for Sir Percival when he goes to battle, and bandages boo-boos when the battle is over. Cole loves practicing every skill a knight in training must master, and he is determined to be granted knighthood. Sir Percival is a great knight in every way, except for one thing. He is terrified that an underwear dragon will come and destroy the kingdom. But when the unthinkable happens, Cole is the only knight left standing, and just an assistant knight at that. Cole must use all of his newly acquired skills to battle the fearsome dragon and avoid catastrophe. Luckily, an unfortunate underwear mishap changes everything, and Cole triumphs in this hilarious and triumphant tale. Kids will recognize themselves in our pint-sized heroes. From Random House Children's Books, it came out on... October 6th. 40 pages. I want a baby. So I can read them these books. So we can read them hookers and blows, safe Christmas. And every monkey dookies. <laughs> and We are old enough, we will have grandchildren probably in the next few years at some point. You can read them all these books. Then. And our YA novel is Hush by Dylan Farrow. They use magic to silence the world. Who will break the hush? 17-year-old Shay has led a seemingly quiet life, joking with her best friend Fiona and chatting with Mads, the neighborhood boy who always knows how to make her smile, all while secretly keeping her fears at bay of the disease that took her brother's life, of how her dreams seemed to bleed into reality around her, of a group of justice seekers called the Bards who claim to use the magic of telling to keep her community safe. When her mother is murdered, she can no longer pretend. Not knowing who to trust, Shay journeys to unlock the truth, instead finding a new enemy keen to destroy her, a brooding boy with dark secrets, and an untold power she never thought possible. From Dylan Farrow comes Hush, a powerful fantasy where one girl is determined to remake the world. From Wednesday Books, all it says is October 2020, which I'm sure probably the sixth too, uh, 384 pages. Sounds really cool. It seemed like it was down your alley. Yeah. 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 I'm like a I'm twenty-something year old trapped in a thirty-four-year-old's body. Well, this feels is for like, like thirteen. To eight, this, this is like thirteen to eighteen-year-olds, so you're more like a teenager. Yeah. You have a very specific type, and almost like we should make a dating app for people in books. So you just pick the type of book you like, and you can just swipe which ones you want and which ones you don't want. I have a very eclectic taste in books. You like a lot of the same type of shit. But I also like books like Alive and Lord of the Flies and Flowers for Algernon and 
psychological thrillers and stuff like that. Yeah, I get that. But usually when it's you're going to go pre-order something or you see a book and you really want to buy it, they're usually a lot alike. No, I usually only pre-order from my favorite authors. Okay, then you just order books that we're talking about on here. They're usually a lot alike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it. I like what I like. Oh, you can. I mean, you can't help what you like, but you can help the ordering part of it. Yeah, I know. You have me on a very tight budget leash. And yet you just got done talking about all the books that you ordered. I bought three. <laughs> and I told you I was going to buy them, and you didn't say anything about not buying because them. Because uh, at some point it's pointless. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's... Let's do the socials real quick and get the fuck out of here. Okay. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at Audio Parfait, at OpenAFING Book, and I am at ECJBAT. And you should go to my Etsy page, uh, 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 Stephanie Young Art. Uh, Etsy.com slash Stephanie Young Art. Etsy.com slash shop slash Stephanie Young Art. America, there you go. Um, the S, Y, and A are all capitalized. Does that matter? I... When you put it into the, to the uh, server? I don't... Yeah, if you're typing it in like that, it does matter. Does it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're just searching on Etsy if it matters. I have no fucking clue. I'm well, new to this shit. Capitalize the S, the Y, and the A. Capitalize this, the the... Well, it's not say. It's it would kind of say, but it's, it's <laughs> the, the words or the, the letters are mixed up. Capitalize the S, the Y, and the A when you go, just to make sure. Yeah, just Stephanie to... Young Art, all one word. Capitalize the S, the Y, the A. Okay, I am Young Etam six on Twitter, Young Etam on Instagram. You can go to our Goodreads, Goodreads.com/slash/audioparfait. You can email us. Info at audioparfait.com. Um, come back for our Saturday show. It's going to be our first one-off. I'm excited about it. I, 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 I've kept it a surprise, dear Stephanie. I keep it a surprise from you guys all the time because I, I like that type of thing. I kept it a surprise from Stephanie because I, I want to see her reaction. I could be way off. I could say who it is and she could be like, oh, okay. And then I'll be disappointed for the whole show. Or I could say who it is, and she's super excited, and that makes me excited, and then I get nervous, and I think I'm going to disappoint her because it's not near as good as I think it is. So. It makes me nervous anyway, because I went over to where he was working the other night to give him a kiss, and he fucking slammed his computer shut. I was working on it. I didn't want you to see what I was working on. No, I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> talking to myself. <laughs> it's like, you we'll know come what? back for our Saturday show. Um, after that show, we will have some... Big news about the shows and about the network uh, going on. It, I'll just leave it with that, but I got to get some stuff set up. Got to change some things around um, before it's all set in stone. But we'll have some some news after that show uh, for everybody. Go to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/AudioParfait, and we still have the stickers on there. You can get a whole bunch of different tiers. You can. For those of you who get this show for free, I fucked up some shit on this episode. Go to our Patreon. You get to hear that shit I fucked up. <laughs> if you don't, then I will edit it seamlessly and you'll never know 
where I fucked up. Except I'm sure people will be listening. They'll hear the little skips and everything. They'll be like, oh, there it was. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen. Apple Podcasts, give five stars. Leave a, leave a review. Uh, subscribe. You can follow us on Spotify, comment on Stitcher, all that good shit. Uh, go to your local libraries. Go to your local bookstores. There's another story about how libraries are saying that their e-books are flying off the shelf. Yeah, a lot of people use e-books. How can an e-book fly off the shelf? Because they only have so many that they can use. And uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, there are five people ahead of me with this ebook, And I'm like, so you rent ebooks? I mean. Yeah, you can rent. I've, I've no, rent, I know. Yeah, but I've you... rented an ebook. It's just I figured it's an ebook, So it's it's just a file. You can rent it out to whoever you want. You just put a certain limit of how long they can have it. I didn't realize there was a certain amount they can give out. Right. That's what I was like. I figured it's just a file. It's like, how? It's just a, it's like, it's just a fucking ebook. You just download it. And when you're done reading it, you delete it. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how you sell out of an ebook or run out of an ebook. Yeah. I just, but I guess they have only so many that they can lend out. Cause that's probably set up by the publisher. Yeah. I imagine. It's like if you ever go on like Voodoo or Fandango or something and you try to download a movie and it's like, nope, can't download it. They're all gone. You'll have to wait till we get more in. That's not how it fucking works. Ebooks are different from movies. I always wanted to have like a coffee shop with a little bakery in it. And um, instead of people just coming in and ordering to read in the paper or just have a whole bunch of like e-readers that people could, you know, use. And we could have books preloaded on them or people could rent their own books or whatever on them and read. And it would be kind of a big sharing thing. And you can't do that now because you can't touch other people's shit anymore. <laughs> We'd have to clean each screen. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So I'm just not going to do it. So the, the dream is out the window. We also had a dream of doing a food truck with different types of tater tots. No. I had a dream of doing a sloppy joe food truck with different types of tater tots. Yes, yes, yes. And different types of sloppy joes. going to have sloppy Jose's and they were going to be Mexican style. And Untidy Joseph's. Untidy Joseph's and going to do some vegan one or some vegetarian one for people who want that type of thing. And then I was thinking, well, the Sloppy Joseph should be in a tortilla, not on a bun. And then that's just a taco. So I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, but a taco with Sloppy Joe mix? It would be Mexican Sloppy Joe mix. But I wouldn't have the cheese and the lettuce and tomatoes. It's just Sloppy Joe. It's just a thing that I had thought of a long time ago. If we won the lottery, maybe I would do it. Or maybe I would just sit on my ass and get fat. I don't know. Sure would like to find out, though. Okay. I think we're done. I think we are. I think we're done. All right. So uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Between now and the time we get to talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go open a fucking book. All right, guys. We'll see you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.